seeing everyone dressed up reminds me that there is a father-daughter dinner and dance after the Mass. So it's nice to see people dress up for Mass. I give major credit for all the dads wearing ties. I think the tie was my least favorite thing to wear before I was a priest because I don't like things around my neck. And now, of course, I wear a collar, so <laughs> divine irony, I guess. First two readings reference holiness. And the Hebrew word for holy comes from a root, which means to cut off or to separate. So things which are holy are things which are set apart. They're separated from profane, everyday things and dedicated to God. And the purpose of holiness and holy things is to create sort of this mystery and this dynamism around them. And so within humans, it invokes a feeling of terror that's mixed with sort of fascination, like a holy fear and reverence. And the thing which is holy par excellence, of course, is God, as we pray in the second Eucharistic prayer. He is the fountain of all holiness. And so he tells his people, be holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy. And his holiness is inaccessible. We cannot attain it. We cannot enter into it on our own, so holy is he. And yet, God, as he is accustomed to do, reveals himself to us, and he reveals his holiness to us. He does this often through his actions. So in Ezekiel 38, when Israel is scattered throughout the world in exile, he says, when I bring Israel back from exile, I will manifest my holiness. He also reveals his holiness to the prophets, to Isaiah in the sixth chapter, when he brings Isaiah before the throne of God. And Isaiah hears the seraphim saying, holy, 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 Lord God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of your glory. We see in sacred scripture, the holiness of the name of God and the name of Jesus being mentioned over and over and over again. That's the custom of bowing one's head at the name of Jesus. So God is sort of the fount of all holiness, and he reveals his holiness, but we also see in sacred scripture that God can communicate or share his holiness with other things. So in Leviticus, he says, I, the Lord, make you holy. Israel is holy because the Lord has made them as such. And so in Exodus chapter 3, when God appears in the burning bush, he tells Moses, remove the sandals from your feet, because the ground upon which you are standing is holy. The presence of God has made that ground holy. You also see God by his presence, by his action, making vessels and things holy. So in the second book of Samuel, when Uzzah touches the Ark of the Covenant, God strikes him down because he has touched something which has been made holy by the presence of God. That's why at my ordination, the bishop consecrates my hands because it's recognized that I'm going to touch holy things, the Eucharist, but also sacred vessels, my chalice, which holds God. And so my hands have to be prepared for this lest I be struck down. Even the Levites are forbidden from looking at the Ark of the Covenant because it is holy. It is set apart for God and for his presence. And then we also see God making sort of time holy. He says, remember the Sabbath, it is holy. It has been set apart for the worship of God. 
There's holy seasons, holy days, holy locations. And ultimately, in the Old Testament, we see a holy people. In Deuteronomy, God calls Israel his holy people. He says, I have chosen you. I have set you apart from the other nations to make you my own. You are holy now. And that's why Israel is warned about sort of mixed marriages. Because they're a holy people set apart for God. And so they shouldn't intermingle in the world. They must avoid the world and idolatry and all of those things. That's also why Israel is encouraged, don't trust in your armies like everybody else does. You've been set apart. Trust in the Lord. The Lord dwells among you. He has made you sacred. He has chosen you. You are now holy. And so Israel not only is made holy, but then they're told to manifest the holiness of God. And you will notice that God tells them to do this in the way in which they obey his commandments, but also in the way in which they worship him. And so Moses, when he gives the law to his people, he says, obey the law, obey the commandments to worship in a certain way, and in this way, the glory of God may be present among you. When Israel worships God correctly, they manifest, they reveal his holiness. That's why you see in the Old Testament, the priests, they go into the holy place, and when they obey the commandments and worship God properly, when they leave, the glory of the Lord fills the temple. They are manifesting his holiness, his glory. And contrarily, like in Leviticus 10, when Aaron's sons offer incense unlawfully, and yes, you can offer incense unlawfully, God strikes them down. They are not worshiping him properly. They are not respecting his holiness. And the reason why all of this is important is not just because of the worship of God. It has very practical effects. If God is the fountain of all holiness, and he reveals his holiness, and he communicates and shares his holiness with others, then ultimately his holiness flows down into creation, into sacred things, into sacred times, but also to us who have been set apart for God through baptism and through Christ. And so there's no surprise that when we forget the holiness of God, when we forget the holiness of sacred things, when we forget the holiness of like God in the Eucharist, when we forget the holiness of the church, when we forget the holiness of the sanctuary where God dwells, when I forget the holiness of my vocation of the priesthood, then that flows down and we forget the holiness of one another. We cannot have reverence and proper respect and veneration for one another if we forget the holiness of God. Because ultimately, the reason you all have dignity and the reason you are all sacred and the reason you are all worthy of veneration is because God has shared his holiness with you. And so when I look into the world and I see people say, well, there's no reverence and veneration for the human person, for elders, for parents, for priests, etc. I say that's because we've forgotten the holiness of God. And then we forgot the holiness of sacred things, things that have been dedicated, set apart for God. And then we forgot the holiness of one another. And so if we want there to be reverence back in the world and sacredness back in the world, then we have to recapture the holiness with God, of God. We have to ask ourselves, how do I treat God? How do I treat God, especially in the Eucharist? How do I prepare to receive the Eucharist? What is my interior disposition? Am I in a state of grace? Have I confessed my sins? What is my exterior disposition? How do I approach him? 
And then what do I do before and after Mass? How do I approach the most holy sacrifice of the Mass, where God will be here present in a few moments upon our altar? And then how do I keep holy the Sabbath, the day dedicated towards God? As a priest, I ask myself all the time, how do I treat the sacred vessels? How do I treat my chalice, my vestments, the sanctuary? Do I genuflect before I enter the sanctuary? And then ultimately, once we keep holiness with God and with sacred things, then we remind ourselves first of our own holiness, that through my baptism I have a certain dignity, I have become a temple of the Holy Spirit, I become a child of God. And so then I am sacred and I treat myself as such, and I avoid sin. And then if I am sacred because I am a child of God, then each and every one of you has been made sacred as well. And so I have to treat you with reverence and treat you with respect. And so if we remember the holiness of God, we will remember the holiness of sacred things dedicated towards God and ultimately remember the reverence and the holiness and the sacredness of one another and of the poor and of the weak and of the vulnerable. And there will be sacredness back into the world 